So we always talk about growing what's right in your body and strengthening that and making it so that your body becomes more inhospitable to what comes at you. We are going to transform the way that motherhood is viewed, turn the negative narrative that is frequently sold to our society upside down, and resurrect a village of support around new families. The Joy of Becoming Real podcast is all about celebrating the good, the difficult, all of the love, and everything real. We passionately believe that by supporting the mother, you support the child, and by supporting the child, you contribute to the wellness and possibilities for future generations. I'm your host, Julia Wheelock. Hello, I am here today with Dr. Julie Bronze. Um, you are someone that I've really wanted to sit down with for a long time and talk. You just have such a wealth of uh, knowledge and wisdom. Um, Dr. Julie, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's I've I've been so looking forward to this. This is uh, I love what you do, and I, I I love the impact that we can have on a community and really. When you're able to do a podcast, you can share the information with so much wider audience than yeah. just your local community. So um, my name is Dr. Julie and I am a chiropractor. I've been practicing for over 30 years and my specialty is uh, pregnant women, uh, infants and children um, to help them maximize their potential for living fully and um doing so without, uh, with full communication between the brain and the body. Mm, I love that. That's so cool. Tell me a little bit about, um, how you got into becoming a, a chiropractor even and what that process was like for you and why you chose, you know, that route over, you know, going a different direction. Yeah. So, um, I grew up in Denmark and, uh, uh, one, one summer, my mom came home, she was a tour guide and she couldn't walk. She had acute low back pain mm. and called her medical doctor who happened to be on summer break. So mm-hmm. got referred to the next one also on summer break, got <laughs> referred to the third one who said, well, you don't need me. You need a chiropractor. And I, we had never heard of such a thing. It was like, I was like, what are, what is this? Yeah. So I went with her and, uh, this doesn't often happen or always happen, but rather miraculously where very, very quickly she was restored. Mm-hmm. And then in conversation with him, he started asking questions about, uh, me and my brothers. And, uh, I had, I struggled with, um, headaches when I was a, a kid and I had something called torticollis or right neck where you can't turn your head at all oh, yeah. rather frequently. Yeah is extremely painful. So I have full compassion for people that come in with that. (laughs) But, um, he started taking care of us and, uh, not only did my headaches go away, uh, I also discovered that in order to become a chiropractor at that time, I had to come to the United States to go to school. Oh, wow. And I thought, well, that's kind of a double bonus. Not, yeah. uh, you know, so uh, I became very intrigued. My mom was kind of ahead of the curb at that time. And I still look back and I think, how did she find this information? Like she didn't, uh, she didn't use, um, uh, soaps with perfumes or, mm-hmm. or uh, whitening agents in it. She didn't, you know, we'd never ate foods with nitrates or nitrites. In it. And I'm like, that was like way before you could look things up online. Yeah, and I exactly. had no idea where she got this information. Uh, but she was really ahead of the curve. And I think she just influenced me to want to do something different. And then my experience as a kid having to struggle with that. And my, my one of my brothers had severe, uh, ear infections mm. and, uh, really benefited also from, from care. Wow. So, from chiropractic care for mm-hmm. ear infections. Yeah. So, uh, the thing I think that is important to know is, um, the only, the only people that can claim what's called claim cure is pharmaceuticals and, mm-hmm. and the medical industry. Yeah. So in chiropractic, we don't talk about curing things. But what we work towards is helping restore the internal environment of your body so your brain and your body can communicate better. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, we were meant to be whole. Yeah. Uh, and so when we restore that, healing occurs. Um, 
indirectly, if you yeah, will. Yeah, indirectly, because <laughs> everything, I think that's something, and we have even talked about this before, that's something that is, there's a little bit of a disconnect um, in, you know, traditional medical community mm-hmm. where, you know, we're not necessarily looking at the whole body as acting, you know, yeah. fluid and, and together as one whole yeah. Yeah. unit. So yeah. that's something that you're really doing in your practice is treating yeah. the whole body. Yeah. As one I unit. think it's, it's an importance of, you know, we, it's, it's two different paradigms. One is based on mechanism, you know, where all these parts that are put together and maybe I'm a heart doctor or a liver doctor or kidney doctor or mm-hmm. brain doctor. Or I'm, I, you know, so they look at, you know, I want to get my part working the way I think that part should work. Yes. Regardless of what it does to all the other parts that are connected. And that's very mechanistic. And mm-hmm. that's really what modern medicine is based on. Whereas the paradigm that um, that chiropractic comes from is a vitalistic paradigm where everything is interconnected. And, um, you know, you can use an example is like you stub your toe. It doesn't just hurt in your toe. You start limping around and you, you know, mm-hmm. you know, your whole body is affected by it. Yeah. Um, you, you know, and that's, that's how, that's how we, we look at it. And then the other big difference I think in the paradigm is, um, we, we have full confidence that your body can heal. So we work towards um, lifting up what's right Mm. as opposed to, or strengthening what's right as opposed to focusing on what's wrong. Yeah. Just focusing on what's wrong. Yeah. I love that, that trust in knowing that the body knows what it's doing. And if there's a problem, it's telling you, you know, you're having symptoms and it's telling you about the problem for a reason so that you can do something about it and not just suffer with pain. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that more people are catching on to that Mm -hmm. um, because especially when you look at what's happened in the last year, you know, we've had all these uh, situations where you can really clearly see, well, if I do X, Y, Z, I strengthen my body and I have an easier time overcoming severe issues, what could be severe issues versus if I just, if I don't take care of myself, then those issues become much harder to Mm -hmm. combat. So we always talk about growing what's right in your body and strengthening that Mm -hmm. and making it so that your body becomes more inhospitable to what comes at you. Yeah. You know, Oh, very cool. And that, I feel like that really resonates in what we're talking about, which is, you know, women in, in pregnancy going through postpartum and even, um, before pregnancy, like mm-hmm. I've been learning a little bit about, you know, fertility and the things yeah. that you can do to prepare your body before you've even gotten pregnant, yes. um, which is something that I wish I had known, yeah. um, you know, going into my pregnancies, which they were both unplanned. So yeah. that factored into totally it as well. That. Same thing for me, all four. It's like, oh, yep, oh, surprise. <laughs> yeah. So that factored yeah. into it as well. But yeah, um, yeah, it's amazing the things that you can do to prepare your body to be, yeah, yeah. like you said, inhospitable I, to things exactly. That you don't want there. And I think that again goes back to uh, what we can do. You know, it's it's that preconception period, um, and most people don't start thinking about that until you know at least you know closer to twenty or maybe you know early twenties or maybe even thirties. Yeah, um, but that whole thing starts even when way earlier, because the things that we do as children, toddlers, Mm -hmm. infants, and through early teen years affects the health of, especially for women, it affects the health of their ovaries. And, Mm -hmm. and, um, we have to look at that. And, and, um, I mentioned, I grew up in Denmark and one of the interesting things that I think back on, and I don't know that they've done any real look at it, but um, it's extremely common for, um, I would like when I was there, which is 30 plus years ago, uh, it it's, was extremely common for uh, 15, 16 year olds to be on birth control. Mm. And what we saw later on was a very high percentage of women having a very difficult time getting pregnant. Yeah. I'm not saying that the birth control is what caused it, but 
where, you know, when you go on birth control, you are changing what hormones do in your body. Um, and it became such a problem that, um, again, through the social structure that they have there, there was uh, at first extra help for people that had twins, which was common with artificial um, pregnancies. And, um, they had so many pairs of twins that they couldn't afford to keep up the special care. So then it became only for triplets, Wow! you know? Oh my goodness. So just kind of an interesting thing. And I think we're seeing some of those same, same things with a lot of young people here where their cycle is not following. It's not in the box of where we want it to be. So we try to make it into the, put it into the box by, by saying, well, birth control will, squeeze it into that box, but it doesn't really correct. Why is it not? Yeah. It's treating the symptoms without actually, um, fixing the underlying issues of why you're having the symptoms in the first place, Yeah, which is, so then when you decide that you want to come off the pill for, you know, either getting pregnant or just because you, you want to come off of it. Um, then you still have all of those things to deal with. So it's, it's basically just hitting the pause button, but you still have the yeah. issues down the line Yeah. instead of just treating them up front. Because yeah, I think so many people go um, on the pillar prescribed it, mm-hmm. not just for birth control, but for as like hormone therapy, you know, a lot of, I, one of the number one reasons why, why, when we see kids in our office that are on birth control, one of the major reasons they've been put on it is to clear up their skin. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Which I'm like, well, that, just seems kind of like a major overhaul of your system (laughs) for one problem to have better skin. But, um, and, and again, it's not, you know, for some people and that may be their right choice, but I think there's very little emphasis or explanation as to how does that actually impact your health long-term. And there's this idea that, well, you know, if I want to go off of it, I'll just go off of it. Yeah. But the reality is that you're teaching your body certain things mm-hmm. and there's going to be a cleanup process afterwards. Yeah. And some people are fortunate and they can get pregnant right away. But for some people, it can take a, a significant time after they go off of it before they actually get pregnant. Yeah. Especially if there were hormonal underlying issues for going on it in the first place. Exactly. That, yeah. And those aren't being treated. So then we're just stuck with. Yes. The reason why they had to go on it in the first place. Exactly. Um, but yeah, like as far as the hormonal acne and stuff like that, then if you're going on that, like if your hormones are imbalanced so much that you're having mm-hmm. such bad, you know, yep. skin issues that you are being prescribed this, that again, those skin issues are probably trying to tell you something about yeah. a hormone imbalance yes. that, you know, might not seem like a big thing right now but probably down the road, yeah. you know, could turn yeah. into something exactly more major. Yeah. yeah. And, and we're seeing it more and more um, that it's just, well, it's just put this in night, you know, we call it bandaid care. It's like you put mm-hmm. this on there without really looking, looking to what happens in the end um, for those people. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what do you do when you have, you know, a pregnant woman coming in, um, what are like some of the things that you can do in chiropractic care? And then I also, if you want to talk about, I know that you're also a nutritionist. Yeah. yeah if you want to tell me a little bit about how you tie all that together into yeah. whole health, you know, specifically for pregnant women, and then we can mm-hmm. take that into postpartum. So when we see, um, when we see women that are pregnant, ideally we want to see people before they even get pregnant. Right. Just- to, to set the stage, but we're looking at uh, several different factors. Uh, one is the, this, the plain old structure. So when you're looking at a pelvis, your two hip bones, and then you have a big flat bone on the back that's triangle shaped, that's called a sacrum. And at the bottom, that is what people call the tailbone or the coccyx. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the hip bones join in the front in the symphysis and you can feel that hard bone right at the bottom of your stomach. Mm-hmm. So um, that's supposed to be nice and balanced with the triangle sitting nice and balanced in the back of uh, between the two um, hip bones. Mm-hmm. And then the uterus sits inside of that. 
And it should be nice and balanced again. Basically, the way I like to think about it is it's almost like a hot air balloon. Mm -hmm. As it grows, you want to think about it as as a hot air balloon. And the basket in the hot air balloon is your cervix. So you want to have the, the uterus nice and centered over the cervix and nice and centered into the pelvis. And the guide wires are the ligaments or which... They're called ligaments, but they're actually really unique. They they have muscle and ligamentous tissue together. Oh, cool. So they're very flexible compared. Normally a ligament is really tight or like stiff and hard and, and doesn't like to be twisted and yeah. <laughs> moved out of its normal way. Yeah. Uh, whereas a muscle can't, has much more give. So these are ligaments and muscles together. So they hold that uterus in place. And they're attached to your sacrum, they're attached to your hip bones, they're attached to your symphysis, the the joining of the hip bones in the front. Um, And what happens if you have an imbalance in there, it'll put a twist into the uterus. And that makes it really difficult for that baby to get into the proper position. Mm. So uh, what we do is we analyze the, uh, we analyze the, the, the structure to see, are there misalignments in there? And if there is, then, um, we would adjust. Um, the second thing that we do is, uh, we have, um, it's called the, the, the kind of common name for it is called a subluxation station. And it's a way that we can measure uh, muscle tone and temperature difference and, um, some, um, heart rate variability, which will tell us what is the tone of the whole nerve system and are there areas of stress in there? Wow. That's awesome. I love that technology. I am all about stuff like that. It's so cool. Um, But um, it has a really nice way for us to be able to see, again, are there areas where um, sometimes, especially when you're pregnant, you'll see, even though it feels like your muscles are overworking, maybe in your lower back, Mm -hmm there's really not much tone there at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we can see when we're looking at heart rate variability, some, it, there's a term that people may or may not be have heard, but it's called a polyvagal theory or the vagal tone. Mm-hmm. And really what that tells us is how is your uh, nerve system sensing where you are in the world and how is it, how is your nerve system interacting with the world? Oh, wow. And with the heart rate variability, we can see that. So we can see, does this person have kind of a charge in their battery or yeah. are they, we call it on the gas pedal or on the brake pedal. Yeah. It's like, are they functioning in a, in a state of stress or are they functioning in a state of I can't even get myself out of bed or are they nice and balanced and where are they in that, in that realm? So that gives us an idea of um, how can we best support them during the pregnancy? Very cool. Um, And what, what we know from, from people, and I can speak for personal experience too, is uh, that your, um, those factors will impact your uh, labor. And for most people, um, having um, those factors all aligning and working well together will generally speaking, but uh, generally lead to a, a more, um, an easier birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my, my, I have four boys and um, my first one pregnancy was great. And then um, I went into labor and I was going to go to my midwife just to have her confirm that I was in labor before she came to my house. And I, because of my contractions were there, but not, well, on my way out my house, I fell down the stairs. Oh my goodness. So my, my heart rate variability probably dropped mm-hmm. and, and I definitely was misaligned. Well, I was in labor. So my labor was really long with him. Oh, wow. Um, that is not what you want to happen. No, not what you want <laughs> to happen. Do not recommend. Time, but especially not when you're pregnant. <laughs> no, and especially not like, when you're in labor. Yeah, I was like, not not what you want to do. Oh so I do not recommend falling down the stairs. <laughs> um, really, pregnant or not, but just don't do it. Uh, and then my second one was interesting because um, he was breech. Mm-hmm. which we see a lot of people that come to us and some people say, Oh, chiropractors can turn breech babies. We don't. Uh, what we do is we get 
the, the again the pelvis aligned so that the structures can allow enough space mm-hmm. and then the baby will turn on its own we don't turn babies correct yeah 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 that's but a, you create the space so that yes. he can turn so, on his own exactly yeah. so that there's if the baby should be head down yeah so my family history is both my brothers older brothers were born breech my dad was breech my grandma was breech so we have i don't again i don't know if there's any but i think breeches are just kind of part of our family trait you poor women (laughs) well so i when i had him it was actually one of my easiest labors it was fairly it was like an eight-hour labor and he was born breech and um everything was great um, and looking at his personality, I think it was the right way for him to be born. He yeah. is very, came out running. Um, <laughs> and then um, my next one, uh, great labor. Uh, I labored for a while one day and we thought he was going to be born and then had a pause in the labor for about five days. Oh my goodness. And then um, when I went into labor about, Six hours later, he was born and I think he just needed a little, it was right at Christmas and he's like, yeah, I'm not coming out to yeah, this. I'm like I want taking, my own day. <laughs> I want my own day. I am not being born on Christmas. Yeah. Uh, and then my last one was, um, went into labor and, uh, I think his labor was like seven hours and, and, uh, all born, you know, born at home. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I love that. I didn't know that you did home births too. Yeah. Well, the the one that was uh, the second one that was breach, I had a midwife, uh, but he was born in Washington state. And the law at that time stated that a midwife could not deliver a known breach at home. Okay. So I actually had him. He is the only one of my children that has a middle name because he was born on the way to the hospital in the back of an ambulance. Oh, on the way yeah. to the hospital. Yeah. Oh, so he goodness. was born on a street corner on 19th <laughs> and Sprague in, in Tacoma. Oh <laughs> my gosh. But it was, it was, again, it was one of those things where it just was, but he, you know, it was like the, the birth was perfect. Yeah. Um, considering that he was breached and, and things can go, it's easier to have things go wrong when you have a breech baby. Yeah. It's, and it's not the ideal position for a baby to come out in either. Um, interestingly, his cord broke shortly after he would like broke. I won't broke. I've never even heard of that before. Very strange. And I'm wondering if maybe that was why he stayed in that breach position. Yeah. Like maybe it was too short or something. Yeah. He just innately knew that there was something wrong with the, or there was a weakness in the, in the cord. Mm. Uh, yeah. My midwife out there was said she had never seen that before. It was like, it, it, yeah, it broke. That's crazy. But, but, you know, but again, so from a chiropractic perspective, we did everything that we normally do with, with women that we see that mm-hmm. have, and, and, but I didn't really have any signs of anything that was, he just didn't, he just didn't go head down. And, uh, and the birth was perfect. Yeah. It was just the way he was supposed to come out. Yeah. And I think sometimes too, with births, there is this, um, and this is, this is kind of a harsh reality, I think for, for us and what has really led to a lot of interventions in birth. Um, I've been very fortunate. I've never had a miscarriage. I've, and all my babies have been born perfect and, mm-hmm. and with no issues. Um, but the reality is that it is life, you know, and sometimes life doesn't turn out the way that we want it. Yeah. And, uh, I don't think I'm going to make it through an, uh, an episode without crying. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes with breaches, that's the case. Yeah. You know, or other, you know, babies, babies don't always make it. And it's really difficult yeah. uh, to go through. And, and it's much more common than I think most people are aware of. Yeah. But we have all these interventions put in place to try to avoid it, which in a lot of cases lead to, to more trouble to for more us, problems, yeah. you know, but it's a hard, it's a, it's not a fun thing to talk about. Mm. And, you know, I know for us in our practice, when we see people that have had miscarriages or um, very, 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 very seldom, thank goodness, have we seen people that have had stillborn babies, but we have seen it and it's, it's heartbreaking yeah. um, because that's not, that's not the picture that we have in our head. We have this picture that we're pregnant and then mm-hmm. we're going to have a perfect human at the end of it. Yeah. And that's not always how it goes. Yeah. It's, you're right. It is, it's far too uncommon that that we end up in, you know, situations yeah. like that, that are just, just heartbreaking and yeah. devastating. Yeah. And 
it's hard to, it's hard to say like that it could have gone differently because Mm -hmm. I think so many times, um, it sadly, especially with, um, miscarriages, you just don't know, Yeah, you know, what happened to cause that miscarriage and it could have been, you know, a thousand different factors. Exactly. And that just probably adds another layer of grief onto that because you don't have an answer of why did this happen? And I think a lot of times people start second guessing, um, what, well, maybe I should have done this or maybe I should have, or if I didn't, you know, do this or that or the other thing. And we, we really, a lot of times don't, you know, it's, it's such a, um, to even get pregnant is a miracle, you know? Um, and, but the, um, the reality is it, it, you are dealing with, it's, Life is very strong, but there's also a lot of things that can, mm-hmm. cannot go the way that, that we think they should. Yeah. Um, but so our, you know, our goal always is um, to, to encourage women and to give women confidence. And I think that comes then also after you have a baby. In, and I think you and I have talked about this with the fourth trimester. I didn't mm-hmm. even know you told me about the book. So yeah. I um, haven't gotten it yet. I the book get is it. so good. I I just want everyone to read it. Yeah. It's so good. And I think the book really um, paved the way for that. Um, yeah. Even the idea of a fourth trimester, yeah. like um, obviously it's something that, you know, other cultures have been doing for a long mm-hmm. time correctly. And even like generations have been doing yeah. correctly for a yeah. long time. But yeah. um, f- you know, for this day and age, the fourth trimester is such a revolutionary idea. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, definitely it's so, recommend the book. Yeah, it's so important. And and one, so one of the things that we work with women is to encourage them to set boundaries and realize that, you know, my, my rule for pregnant women when they come to see us is once they have the baby, uh, give us a call so we can figure out what happened, how mm-hmm. did it go, and yeah. and and give encouragement and and of course congratulations. Mm-hmm. Um, but then um when, when you start engaging in, in public life again is you, the first month, you really should just stay home mm-hmm. and set really strict limits to who, who comes to visit because all that extra input into your system, you're in a fragile state. Your baby is in a fragile state. And mm-hmm. I'm not talking necessarily even, but you know, people are worried about germs and, and whatnot. I'm talking about the emotional yeah. impact that it has when somebody comes into your life and or into your home and, and you're in this a totally open position really, because you've just given birth to a mm-hmm. human and you're working to bond. And then this effusive, overwhelming influence comes into your world. Yeah. And, and you're so open and vulnerable. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And you really have to, uh, to guard it. So I tell people be very strict with the people have, if they want to come, it's like, okay, you can be here for a half, half hour. And I've written notes for people that you can stick on the door. These are the rules of engagement when no, you come to that. visit, because yeah. you, you really have to guard your energy. And uh, part of it is we're in a society where uh, everything is public. You know, mm-hmm. so many people post things and everybody wants to see the new baby. Everybody wants to see this happy family. So we have all these pictures of these perfect, um, mm-hmm. perfect families that are out doing their stuff and they're, you know, going here and there and everywhere, mm-hmm. but that's really not healthy. So you, what happens to a lot of women is they start, you know, they start feeling good. Most people are kind of euphoric after tired, but euphoric after giving birth, hormonal influxes and in, uh, into your system. But, um, then you, you feel good and you think, okay, well, I'm going to start going out and doing stuff mm-hmm. and you're doing great. And you're like, oh, I'm going to go on to this next thing because I'm still really energetic. And then the next day you wake up and all you want to do is cry because yeah. you're completely worn out. Yeah. And you're like, I don't understand what happened. Well, it was because the day before you spent eight hours running around outside exactly. doing, you know, doing all these different things and in- engaging with all these different people. Mm-hmm. So I'm like the first month really limit your time. And when, when we have people come to our office, I usually schedule it at at the end of the days or end of a shift so that it's quiet. Mm. There's nobody else there. So it's just, there's nothing else going on. And then we can do a really good neurological check and, and um, see what, what is going on with the, with the baby. 
um, and, you know, help with nursing difficulties or maybe they're constipated or colicky and different things like mm-hmm. that where people come bring their babies in. Because if we can get them early on balanced um, so that their body and their brain can communicate, mm-hmm. life is so much easier. Yes. It just makes everything easier. Yeah. And, and I, you know, some people are concerned they don't know what care for a baby looks like because they have this picture of chiropractic being this big violent thing with stuff popping. And that's even for pregnant women, that's not how we, everything is so relaxed in the body of a pregnant woman. Mm -hmm. We use really gentle care and with a, with an infant and really children, it's just a matter of just holding light, light touch. Kind of like if you imagine that you're holding a really ripe peach in your hand, you don't want to dent the, the peach at mm-hmm. all. And that's really all it is for an infant is you just very, very light touch and their bodies are so receptive Yeah, at, that things just, you can, you can watch them. They'll just sort of like melt into your hands and their Aww. eyes will just like go rolly and fall, yeah. they'll fall asleep usually. Yeah. Or so poop. knowing that it's not going to be like a traumatic thing. And I took, yeah. I took my babies um, in a few times for chiropractic care, especially yeah. um, right after they were born. It was, yeah. Um, I think my oldest needed it for more like yeah. his head alignment yeah. or something. Yep. Um, and yes, he just, I mean, he didn't wake up. He, I took him out of his car seat. He didn't wake up. Yeah. He didn't wake up through the whole adjustment. <laughs> he was just yeah. like passed out. And so yeah. I do think that people have this, you know, idea of that it's going to be yeah. really rough and um, yeah. traumatic even for the baby, but yeah. It's not. And I think, you know, I, it's an important thing. So I, I have a certification from the, um, Chiro- council on chiropractic pediatrics. Um, but I think it's important to note that I just finished that mainly because I wanted to have the paper that said that, but mm-hmm. I had taken care of children for many years before that. Mm-hmm. When you take your child to a chiropractor, they do not necessarily have to be certified. That doesn't mean that they're technically good. They have a lot of extra knowledge. Mm-hmm. But what you want to take, the chiropractor that you want to take your child to is somebody that is very gentle, will explain everything that they do when they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Somebody that... Maybe you get a referral from a friend that's taken their child to this chiropractor, but you want somebody that's used to working with children. So with infants, you know, they're small and soft and usually easy to work with. But in our office, we also have older children and some of them are really loud. So some people don't like that. Well, then our office is not the one yeah. to come to. But what we see with kids that uh, come in at a little bit older age that maybe come in because their parents are having a hard time with them in school or other things, or maybe they have eczema or allergies or asthma, and they've heard that chiropractic care can help. Those kids, uh, it's the same approach, really gentle, but very specific in the in the work that we do with them. Mm-hmm. With children, you really have to work. They will tell you what their limit of engagement is. And if you if you try to force an issue with a child, you don't gain trust. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we tell parents that with older kids, sometimes it can take three, four, five visits before we really get to anywhere where it seems like we're doing anything. Yeah. Because first you have to earn that trust. You have to earn the trust and Mm. they're not used to coming to places. Most, most of the time when they go to a doctor's office, it's not fun. They Mm -hmm. get poked with a needle or something, you know, and that's not pleasant. Uh, Well, so we spend a lot of time gaining the trust of the child and uh, it, but it's the same technique. It's very gentle work with children And really for adults too, because your nerve system is sensitive Mm -hmm. and you don't need a lot of force in order to change things. And I think it's a, some people think that chiropractic is very forceful and there are very forceful chiropractors, but that doesn't, if that makes you nervous or that's holding you back, then put that aside Mm -hmm. and then 
we can help you find somebody. Yeah, that can, find that, a different yeah, one if it's find a different to. one. Yeah, and and interview. You know, mm-hmm. say hey, what do you do? What what's your technique? Yeah, what what's, is your technique? Yeah. I got um a I mean, like I've had friends refer me to different um, mm-hmm. chiropractors and stuff, but um, I started going to the one that I took my kids to and went to when I was pregnant mm-hmm. um, from my midwife. So that's yeah. a good source too. Like yes. your midwife or your yeah. doctor probably yeah. knows someone who yeah. specifically works yeah. with yeah. pregnant women. And Yeah. And I think, um, again, big key is if you're going in there and you're not feeling comfortable or you're nervous and, and, um, and uncomfortable in the situation, then you have to alert them because the other thing about chiropractic is, there are many, many different ways that people can adjust. Mm-hmm. And most chiropractors can adjust in different, in a different style, mm-hmm. you know? So if you, 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 in our office, we use mostly an instrument called an activator or an integrator, or we use drop very, very, very rarely do we do what's called a manual adjustment where you hear as a popping sound mm-hmm. and it's incredibly rare. Sometimes that is the absolute best adjustment for certain people. Mm-hmm. Um, but with, with children, that's never the, in our office, that's never the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and with pregnant women, never the case. Yeah. I was going to ask. So when you're pregnant, you have the hormone relaxing mm-hmm. and that correct me if I'm wrong, but that is continued through if you're breastfeeding. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I actually just heard a story from a yoga instructor and Mm -hmm. she was saying, um, oftentimes pregnant women find that they can get into different yoga poses that they can't when they're not pregnant because Mm -hmm. of that hormone relaxing and then have problems after that hormone goes away because they've actually overstretched overstretched. and and that's, so I assume that's something that you're thinking about as well. Absolutely. And why finding someone who's gentle and not you know, stretching yeah. too much. And, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, that's exactly right. You know, in my, in my experience and opinion from, it takes about three years after giving birth till your ligaments are actually s- stable again. Wow. You know, it, it, and part of that is once you stop nursing, the hormones go away, mm-hmm. but that, flexibility and laxity in the ligaments can still be present. Mm. And yes, you can, you can get into a lot of different positions when those ligaments are loose, but that doesn't mean that it's the, it's the right thing. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's a golden opportunity and it's a treacherous time at the same time. So when we're looking at somebody that for instance, might have a scoliosis or a a sideways curvature of the spine, Mm -hmm. it's a fantastic time to, to help, get realignment and get some new input into mm. that system and, and really make a change yeah. in the scoliosis, but you have to be very gentle yeah. and very specific with it, but the body will do it on its own. Um, same. So when we're looking at that, so the, the, uh, from, from right after birth, that's a prime time for a baby to get checked because everything is so easy to, to, uh, fall into the proper position. Mm-hmm. And then, um, it gets, stays that way until about two by the time. And for each, you know, each month, week, <clears throat> year that you move on, it gets things kind of tighten up more and more yeah. as they should. Um, and then the next golden time to make changes is in puberty, especially for women, mm. because at that time hormones start changing mm-hmm. and you have um, big growth usually so that's another key time if you have seen those scoliotic changes or anything else changing and then pregnancy. Yeah. Those are the, those are the prime times to, to get major changes structurally done. That's really cool. So your body is like priming you to, to even enter something like pregnancy in an even better state, which is so opposite to what we think. Yeah. Um, you know, usually we think about coming out of pregnancy, you know, drained and tired and yeah. depleted and everything like that. But how yeah. cool would it be to come out even better than. So you can come out stronger, you know, which is the, which is the goal. I mean, you, yes, it's going to, it takes a lot of energy mm-hmm. to have a baby and grow a baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then living with a baby. Yep. <laughs> it takes a lot of energy. Yeah. Actually having the baby <clears throat> yeah. in your life. Yeah. But that's something that I 
um, really feel strongly about even in, you know, my business is, um, setting women up even, you know, throughout pregnancy and stuff into Mm -hmm. postpartum, obviously, and after so that you can come out even a better person, not just physically, you know, but hopefully mentally and even spiritually. Yeah. Um, because if, if you use that opportunity and you're open to it being a time of growth, yes. Like how amazing would that be to come out of that a whole better person than when you entered it? Like what right. an opportunity. Yeah. So I love that that's something that you're thinking about yeah. too in your practice. And I think when you, when you, again, when you're going into this, I think a lot of women have this sense that they have to handle it all on, on their own. Mm. And I think that that's why what you do is so beautiful because you have to ask for help, mm-hmm. you know? And if, and I remember again, when it, coming from Denmark, it's like, you, you, we have a lot of social structures in place, but we don't have, um, my experience is that it's not, uh, because it's all done through the government, we don't have a lot of like peer to peer help necessarily. Yeah. So I remember when I had my first uh, two kids, the church that we were at wanted to bring meals. And I thought that was the oddest thing. I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean have people bring me a meal? I can do that. You yeah. know, I don't need help. But I realized after the fact, you know, I was like, what a beautiful thing. Yeah. So take, you know, if people want to set up a meal train for you, just set up again, the parameters Mm -hmm. because a lot of people might sign up that you don't even know. Oh yeah. I think that's one of the the biggest surprises is, Oh, I never expected, you know, these people, even on the outskirts of my acquaintances coming up to the table, literally if they're bringing meal and, um, and helping out in that way. And I think one thing that you said that resonates with me is, Um, like I can do that. I can cook. And one thing that I'm very passionate about is telling women, like, just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should be absolutely during that time. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Take the help that you can get Yeah, um, because it'll pay off in loads later on. If you take that period of time, the, especially the last trimester of pregnancy, and then that first the fourth trimester, the first trimester after birth Mm -hmm. to really work on, on taking care of you Mm -hmm. and your energy, it will pay off in loads later on. Yeah. And it has, I, I think it has a huge impact on the way that you bond with your child. And if you have other children, they need that time too. Yes. To realize, Hey, there's this new human here Mm -hmm. that we have to incorporate into everything that we do. Especially I think for a lot of people say they think it's the hardest to go from two to three kids. I think going from one to two is the hardest. Oh, I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. Because you don't, the first child has been used to being kind of the center of attention. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden there's this other person that can't do anything for themselves. And your parents are tired because mm-hmm. they're not getting the sleep that they normally would yeah. get, you know? So you have to have this, it's a whole reset. So to be patient and kind is a big part of, of making a successful transition. Mm-hmm. And it's just a big part of parenthood in general. Yes. I feel like the one, one of the biggest takeaways that I've had from my mothering journey so far is just the level of patience that I've yes. had to not even, you know, with newborns and everything, because, you know, life just slows down to yeah. such a pace with yeah. a newborn. Um, but I mean, I have a three and a half year old and a two year old now. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they test my patience. Yes. Every day. Yeah. And, and that's something that, that I've really learned a lot about. Yeah. You have to, and I think one of the things that uh, my, so there's nine years from my oldest to my youngest. And, um, he, my oldest sometimes would say to me because I like to run. And sometimes he would say to me when he got old enough to watch the other kids, he'd say, Hey mom, why don't you go for a run? I'll watch the kids. And I'm like, I don't need to go for a run. (laughs) And I'm like, like, Oh wait, 
I probably need to go for a run. Yeah. He's telling me I'm a little grumpy. Yeah. So I need to take him <laughs> Maybe up. Maybe you need to go yeah. have a moment. Yeah. I need I a love mom. That. You need to go take a moment to yourself. <laughs> and I go, okay, all right. And then, you know, I come and it takes time to realize this. You know, I realized it's like, I don't understand why my kids are grumpy. And it's like, oh, wait, I was grumpy like three days ago. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, so, but and that the, trickles yeah, down. The lagging it? effect in the moods is so mm-hmm. it's it's pretty amazing when you see it. So yeah. you you have the opportunity to set the tone, but also give yourself grace and realize that sometimes you sometimes you're just going to be grumpy, mm-hmm. you know, and and I love that. Clearly you modeled that really well for your boys. If, if he was able to pick up on that and say, yeah. you know, that's, that's huge. I think yeah. you should take a lot of pride in that. Like it's not every child that can say, yeah. I think mom needs to go yeah. have she a moment. She needs to go have a moment by herself. Go take care of herself. <laughs> You're in timeout, mom. Go put your running gear on. <laughs> yeah. It was a, it was a good thing, you know, and I laugh at it when I think back on it and he'd look at me like, oh boy, does she need a run? <laughs> I love that. I mean, that's a good coping mechanism to have around nice and healthy. Yeah. And again, it didn't have to be, that was the other thing. I didn't have to go for an hour. I could just, just having 10 minutes where I could just go, just run a little quick mile and just, you know, it was like, Mm -hmm. would reset. That's amazing. Um, well tell me, uh, quickly, just a little bit about, um, your, what you do with nutrition in your practice too. Um, and let's touch on that a little bit. Yeah. So I, um, again, it's, it, if you look at the standard American diet, the acronym is SAD, which it really is because just the, the normal things that people eat are so lacking in nutrients. And then we have the reverse where people are on these complete crazy diet things where they're like this, I'm only eating this or I'm only eating that Mm -hmm. and very, very restricted in their food intake. And when you're pregnant or a young child, you really need, you need to eat food, real food. Mm -hmm. So, um, making sure that, um, especially protein is important for, for, uh, pregnant women, mm-hmm. um, because of the iron content in there, you need the, the B vitamins to, to feed your, your brain and your nerve system. Mm-hmm. You need fats again, to feed your brain and your nerve system. So making sure that you're eating is incredibly important and eating real foods. So that means, and I'm just talking super basic, but you know, eating things that go bad. So mm. nothing that's in a box, try mm. to avoid that. Yes. It takes longer time uh, to prep. It takes a long time to prep a meal if you're prepping it from scratch, but, but getting the foods that are on the perimeter generally of shops, though shops are getting smart now to that shopping technique. So yeah. they're moving the boxed foods out more, Yeah, but you really want to make sure that you uh, get enough nutrients into your system. I think one of the things that happens to a lot of women when, uh, again, after having a baby, they get busy and they get tired. So Mm -hmm. they forget to eat. And when you forget to eat, your milk production goes down. You get uh, really mood sad a Mm -hmm. lot of times. Um, So I think, you know, one of the simplest things for a lot of women is to make sure that they get um, some kind of good whole food B supplement in their, in their yeah. arsenal because it can make a huge difference. And same thing with iron, making sure that you have something that won't make you constipated, but mm-hmm. something that's just a basic uh, support. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I think one of the things that's important to note with supplements is so many supplements are synthetics. So really reading what's in there. So the, the simplest way to do it is if you look at the back of a, of a box, mm-hmm. um, if it says like vitamin C and then there's a parenthesis that says as ascorbic acid, that means that it's not whole food C. It's a okay. synthetic. Okay. Second way is to look at the percentages of recommended daily allowance. And you'll see this in a lot of bees. You'll have incredibly high percentages, like 5,000, 10,000% of the recommended daily allowance. You'll never find that in nature. Mm -hmm. And then the last way is when you're looking at it, it'll have all these things listed on the back and then it'll say, um, it'll say, um, other ingredients and it'll have various binders and colors or whatever else is in there, but there's no food listed. 
Gotcha. So yeah. if there's no food listed, those things that are all listed on the label up above are all chemicals. Yeah. So they're man-made versions of what's found in nature. So those that's are a, great tips. Yeah. Is yeah. this a simple way to look at look at it? Because some, you know, again, we have this attitude that more is better. So the the higher percentage mm-hmm. of something is in there, the better it must be for me. Mm-hmm. And that is not the case, especially with B vitamins. They can be really toxic to you if you take them in high quantities, and they can make you anxious and mm-hmm. and uh, vulnerable. Yeah. So. Those yeah, I was going to say I'm on mm-hmm. a B vitamin for like <clears throat> kind of, I don't want to say mood regulation, mm-hmm. but it, it does yeah. like improve yes, it does. your reactions and yes, it just kind of does. a better person overall. Yeah. And that's um, when, when I see pregnant women that are, you, you can just tell they're kind of down. I'm, that's my first recommendation is make sure you're eating mm-hmm. and then let's get you on some, some kind of whole food B because yeah. it can make such a huge difference in how you interact with, yeah. with the world. Mm, I love all of that. I love everything that you're doing. I love the whole um, mind body connection. I think that's yeah. so amazing. Um, thanks for sharing well, and thanks for having sitting me. and talking is something yeah. that I really want to do for a long time. Do you have anything else um, that you want to share before we wrap it up? I just want to just highly recommend people to seek out help and um, lean on the people that you have in your circle mm-hmm. to, to, for support. Yeah. And don't, don't be afraid to ask questions. Mm-hmm. That's very good advice. <laughs> <Thank> something <laughs> that I'm also passionate about. Yes. Um, tell people quickly um, where they can find you at. So we're in Traverse city, Michigan, and, uh, our, uh, website is www.performancechirointc, so like performance chiropractic in Traverse city.com, mm-hmm. or you can email us at get healthy at performance um, or on Facebook. Awesome. And yeah. we'll, um, be able to link all of that too in yeah. Like the show notes, I think so. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for having this conversation with me. Thank you for having me.